What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich, flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today. I'm having a goddamn blast on tour with this Big Mouth and a Small Town tour, so I've added some dates and wanted to let you know where I'm headed next. Uh, yeah, March 14th, I will be in Lakeside, Arizona, and then the 15th and 16th, I'm finally coming to Tucson. So if you're in Tucson, I'm coming to Laughs Comedy Cafe. Get your tickets. We're going to have a good time. My good friend Noah Koffer will be featuring at those shows. He'll also be with me the following weekend when I come to Grand Rapids, Michigan. Dr. Grins, I cannot wait to see you guys again. Those are always some of my favorite shows, and I'm sure this year will be no exception. And then I am headed up to my home state of Alaska for the Alaska Before You Die Fest. Anchorage, you better not fucking sit on these tickets. They're going fast. There's a few left. Uh, April 5th, I will be doing shows at the Gumbo House. It's downtown. I'm doing an early and a late show, one night only. It's an intimate venue, so tickets are limited. It's going to be out of control. If you've come to my show at Coots before, you know how fun they are. This venue is so much better for comedy. I can't even explain it. Just get fucking tickets. These shows are going to be wild. And then on the 6th, I'm headed down to Homer. Homer, Alaska. I am coming, performing there for the first time. Alice's Champagne Palace. And then on the 7th, I will be in Seward, Alaska. So Anchorage, Homer, Seward. We're having a goddamn good time. I'm going to come kill at all those shows because I'm a fucking Alaskan assassin. Am I sorry I said that? I don't know. Listen, Dayton, Kentucky, 12th of April. If you are in the Cincinnati-ish area, Dayton, Ohio, Dayton, Kentucky, this is your chance to see me at a really cool new venue called the Commonwealth Sanctuary. And then I am headed to Portland, May 3rd. I'm headlining the Rip City Comedy Festival. I will be at McMenamin's Mission Theater. You guys, this is a cool theater. We want it to be packed out because, of course I want it to be packed out, but also like, Let's have a goddamn good time in this nice, beautiful theater. So come to that. It's going to be a hell of a time. I can't wait to come back to Portland. And then Wisconsin. I'm headed back your way. But this time I'm coming to Janesville, May 17th and 18th. Green Bay on the 19th. And then what up, Florida? St. Pete, Tampa. I'm coming your way. Uh, Tampa, I will be there June 2nd. And St. Pete, um, they're ahead of that, uh, May 31st. Tampa, I'm at Side Splitters. And if you go to the links in all of my bios or go to their website to get tickets, for a limited time, you can use the code JMS and get $5 off tickets. And wherever you are, I'm trying to get people to buy tickets early instead of waiting to the last minute and making me panic so that if it is going to sell out, it sells out faster so that I know that, the club knows that, maybe we can add a second show. It just FYI, that helps every artist that you're a fan of. So if you can ever buy ASAP, go ahead and do that. Uh, so that's your incentive to buy early in Tampa. And uh, uh, I'll be adding more dates soon. If you did not hear your town, but you want me to come there, head over to my Instagram, instagram.com slash jmscomedy or just at jmscomedy if you're using the app like most of us. Uh, click the link in my bio, join my email list. That lets me know where you guys are so I know what areas want to come see me. Uh, so do that. 
I can't wait to get to more cities. I'm having so much fucking fun on the road. You guys have been amazing. People have been buying merch. These audiences have been out of control, good, just electric, laughing, having a blast. And I know all these upcoming shows are going to be no exception. So I will see you there. JMSComedy.com slash shows to get your tickets. Tell your friends. Tell your enemies. We're going to have a fucking good time either way. So thanks for listening to this little promo. Enjoy this episode. Ta-ta, idiots. What you just said is one of the most insanely idiotic things I have ever heard. What kind of ignorant shit is that? At no point in your rambling, incoherent response were you even close to anything that could be considered a rational thought. You idiot, you fool! Hey, dummy! This is the Ignorance is Blessed podcast. Everyone in this room is now dumber for having listened to it. Hey, idiots. Welcome to yet another episode of Ignorance is Blessed with me, Jessica Michelle Singleton. I'm a stand-up comedian, and I'm an idiot. We're all idiots sometimes, and that's why we're here, to learn the answers to all of our ignorant questions. And that way, we get a little less ignorant. We start to learn about people who are different than us, and we feel more connected. And that's the root of all of this. Now, in the past, I had specific intros that would go on and on about the guest in our conversation, but I've decided I want to let the conversations speak for themselves. So this is just a little reminder of what the podcast is about and other things you can do to engage with the podcast. So obviously you're listening right now. I love that. If you love the podcast, it would be so helpful if you subscribed on whatever device you use to listen to podcasts. Hell, if you have more than one device, you have a Spotify account and you're on iTunes, go subscribe on both doesn't hurt you helps me please leave a rating and review wherever you're listening to this hopefully it's positive and if you have some constructive questions or feedback I would love for you to send those to me directly instead of just leaving them in a review especially if they're specific to one episode you can always email me anything questions ideas you want advice you have a suggestion for a guest or maybe not a specific guest but a topic you'd love to hear about Ignorance is blessed podcast at gmail.com. There's also a Facebook group where you can engage with other listeners in discussions, in suggestions and discussions about those suggestions. And it's just sort of a, a fun community to connect with each other and with other people who are trying to learn and grow and be a better version of themselves. That's on Facebook. You can find it by searching ignorance is hashtag blessed idiots or go to my Facebook page, facebook.com slash JMS comedy. And it's listed as my group on that page. You can follow me anywhere else at JMS comedy. If you want to watch these interviews, I put out the interviews a little bit earlier than I put out the audio. Go to my YouTube, youtube.com slash AK Jessica Michelle made that when I still lived in Alaska and was younger and I can't get JMS comedy. So there you go. And those will stream at 5 p.m. Pacific time the day before. So you can get a little sneaky peeky. You can follow me everywhere, as I said, at JMS Comedy. And also follow the podcast at Ignorance is Blessed on Instagram to see some fun clips. And as a reminder, before we get to this interview with my wonderful guest today, please keep in mind that no guest I have on is, nor do they claim to be an expert in whatever our topic is, whatever the given situation identity is. They are just one human sharing their own experience and ideas to help us get a peek at how things look from their situated position in the world. So please keep that in mind with every guest. And without further ado, please enjoy this week's episode of Ignorance is Blessed. Hey, idiots. Welcome back to Ignorance is Blessed. I am excited for my guest. Today, it's the incredible Joe Tregilio. You guys 
Probably never, maybe don't know him. <laughs> Probably not. <laughs> He's, um, Joe is a public defender. Former public defender. Former public defender, excuse me, and now the executive director. Correct. Of Loyola's Project for the Innocent. That's right. Yes. And really quickly, give me, and then we're going to dive in, but your executive director, uh, what is the Loyola's Project for the Innocent? <laughs> we are a clinic at Loyola Law School that is uh, doing our best to get folks out of prison who are wrongfully convicted and Damn. trying to change some laws in the process. Damn. That's really fucking cool. Oh, well, thank you. I mean, it's it's uh, it's important work. Um, yeah, it's yeah. been really exciting since I've joined. It's not just Kim Kardashian yeah. <laughs> out there, you guys. She's been great, though. Oh, really? Yeah, in the, in the, yeah we can talk about that. But it's okay, been, great. It's oh, yeah, it probably force. has put yeah. a like spotlight on, on uh, this exact type thing. Yeah. So prior to this, you were a public defender. Federal public defender, which is a little different than the county level. Oh, um, really? Yeah, I'm like, wait, how does that even work? Yeah, I didn't even know they existed when I even went to law school. Um, but yeah, federal public defender for 15 years um, and then transitioned over to this role. I've been teaching for a while now, and it was kind of a natural Just kind move of move into the law school. Move into the Okay. So you said you didn't even know it was a thing when you went to law school. When you went to law school, did you know what you wanted to do? Or were you just like, I'm pretty good at analyzing stuff and logicking my way in conversations. I'll do something. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I, I'm one of the rare ones who did go in with a very specific purpose. Really? Um, yeah. I'm from Texas. Um, and okay. I grew up seeing folks or hearing about folks getting executed. Uh, <gasps> capital punishment in Texas is a big deal. Oh yeah. And literally every Tuesday, Wednesday and Thursday when I was like in high school and college, there would be executions happening. Really? And, yeah. And it was, I'm like, what That's is, so many what is this? And I was, I was on the basketball team and kind of going in the sports route, but then hearing about this and like, this is fucked up. So I started a group to try to fight those, that from happening. Just um, so it originally started as like, I don't, get rid of the death penalty. Get rid of the death penalty. And that's what drove me to law school is just individually representing these folks on death row. And wanting to uh, like. And wanting to fight that system, the capital punishment. And so I went to law school with that specific purpose, went to a law school that had a program that sent us to the South to work on those cases. Um, and my first job at a law school was um, a place up in the Bay that just represents folks on death row challenging their convictions. And so it's been really the death penalty wars that had me in the law. And I did the same work at the federal public defender as well. Whoa. Just okay. So like in a role like that, where you're like, does every person who's on death row Get their case like we looked at before. They, so yes, and yes like do they and, go? Let's just do one last check. This is where it gets. California is is just broken. They should yes. Everyone on death row and and uniquely to death row inmates, they get a right to a lawyer not only at trial but in their post conviction stuff. So okay. there's an appeal where you look at stuff that went wrong at the trial, and then there's something called habeas corpus where you can look at sort of what really happened and did the jury really get it right. And that's wow. where you litigate things like maybe he's innocent or maybe the police hid stuff or maybe his lawyer was doing drugs during at the time of the trial and didn't do a good enough job. That's all called habeas proceedings. Okay. And usually most inmates don't get a lawyer to look at all that stuff. They, if you get sentenced to life without parole, for example, or 50 years, it's just you're done. You have to do all that stuff on your own in your jail cell. But if you were sentenced to death... Um, statutes, federal and state statutes, give you a right to a lawyer. Yeah, they're like, uh, we don't care if you're in here doing 
free labor for the rest of your life. No. We're going to kill you. We better take We're going to kill you. We want to feel a little bit more yeah. comfortable we with ourselves. We want to feel justified in our murder. Murder, exactly. Um, but if you're sentenced to die in prison, that's the different thing. But yeah. sentenced to death, yes, you get a lawyer. Um, that can take decades to get for you. you really? Could be sitting in California, we have the largest death row, over 700 people. Really? So they could take, some, and there's not enough lawyers to do this stuff. So it can take a decade before a guy who was sentenced to death gets a lawyer to look at his case. Is this like, because it, it's public defenders who get. It's any, well, it would first go to. Unless they have. Yeah, they first go to a state agency. Okay. Um, and hopefully they would step in. But there's just, that's one state agency that does this type of stuff. And Yikes. then it goes to private lawyers who are part of like a panel who are qualified to take big capital cases. Oh. And it's very small um, compared to the number of people on death row. That's and so it's just the delay for these guys, which means witnesses are dying, documents are getting destroyed, exhibits things are go dying, missing, things go missing. Um, Shocking. But I was working at at the federal level, so if in California, if you get sentenced to death here in Los Angeles, at yeah, a trial here like, in yeah, LA how County, does that work? you lose. So you lose at trial, you appeal, you lose your appeal. You have a chance to challenge your conviction in the California Supreme Court. If you lose okay. there, you can then go into federal court. So you're working with three-time losers. Three-time losers. And they're like, get you out of the case. Get, well, yeah. We go into federal court, and Fuck. the federal law really has gotten progressively worse, but we have resources, fortunately, at the Federal Defender's Office to really do, for the, a lot of times the first time, a real investigation of the case. Like you guys can get through doors that maybe other people couldn't. We can afford we can make some calls. experts. We can afford traveling and talking to folks, and we have just a... a Folks who know what they're doing yeah. and can actually expose some of this evidence and try to wow. litigate it again. So that was my work for the past 15 years, which is kind of similar to what the Innocence Project is doing. Is is for. Um, is for, exactly. Yeah, okay. Yeah. So and this is just like my ignorant, I guess ignorance about like being a lawyer or like in that capacity especially. Is your, do you, as a lawyer, is your job as a defender to like assume innocence? Yeah. Okay. No, it's not. I'm saying, yeah, I'm great. That's a tricky question. Like, like, are there cases where you're like, come on, guys. <laughs> I don't want this guy to die. What Can I we just say, find a way to change yeah. the sentence here? As a public defender, we get appointed to any case. You know, yeah. I represented for a little bit the Night Stalker. Um, one of the most, you know, like, <laughs> oh we'll my get God. A, we get appointed to anybody. And I can tell you from experience with that, from every single death penalty case, there is going to be things that are happening that are just fucked up and crazy. Yeah. And, and you're finding a way to be like, how do I frame and this? And you don't get a death sentence unless there's something that happened, something went wrong. And I truly believe that because I believe that jurors, if they know who the person really is, they might not let the guy out. They might say, they might say he's innocent. He might be guilty of sin. But the question of the death penalty is, is this person redeemable enough to, to not, not kill yeah. is there something in there that makes them a human being worthy of just living in prison for the rest of their life or are they just complete irredeemable monsters and my experience is there's always something that explains not justifies it doesn't justify but it's like explains why someone is so messed up in the brain humanizes to them, potentially do that yeah humanizes and that doesn't happen at death penalty trials that result in convictions or death sentences. Yeah, that it's like... And so there is, to answer your question about innocence, it's not... Some, sometimes it is guilt innocence. Sometimes it's they didn't do it. But many other times, maybe they did it, but the jury didn't really hear who this person was as a human being. Yeah, so like the, 
yes, they deserve to be found guilty, but but they are not an irredeemable. Exactly, and and they sh- yeah exactly monster. And life the would have been sh- a more appropriate. Yeah, where it's like this isn't someone who. What's how do you? That's a wild thing to even. Yeah. I I mean this is does the. Dr- this is just a dumb question, but I guess that's no. the whole premise of the show. I hate I hate when it's obvious that it's like some of the listeners might be wondering, and it's like, no, it's me. I'm dumb. Uh, does the jury decide the sentence, or is that the judge? Yeah, no, it's a good question. It used to sometimes in the South, some judges would be the ones who did it. Yeah, until, I'm just thinking of like the night the lights went out yeah. in Georgia by Reba McIntyre, where the judge is like, he's guilty, hang him. Used to be the case. No, now it's it is the juries who decide the case, and they are supposed to be so. Do you want me to tell you the process? Is it? Oh, I think so. No, I mean, um, I think it's really interesting. So the way it, the way it works is, so, I know, <laughs> someone gets found guilty of a crime. Yeah. It goes to a separate, it's called a punishment phase or penalty phase. A okay. whole new trial, basically. Same jury. Which is basically like, they, like they are guilty. Now this phase now is. Now we're going to decide what the penalty is. Yeah. And you have to have a jury who's open to the death penalty. You have to, to be. In that. Like a juror, in order to sit for a penalty phase, has to already have been open to it. Which so you're saying I can get out of jury duty by going? Just want you to know I am never, absolutely against the death penalty. Yes, you can get out of a death penalty case. By this guy, that. he pretended to be racist. Um, <laughs> what an idiot! But like, but imagine who that excludes from the jury pool of who's deciding these people who would probably forty percent or more of, wild. of black people are against the death penalty because they see the impact the, of, of innocent people over policing in their communities. Of course, they're not going to serve on these juries because they're against the death penalty. So then your jury of peers, it's called death qualified. It's a death qualified jury you have who's prime. That sucks. So you have that. Um, but the jury then is, hears from the prosecutor why your murder is extra bad, basically. Um, why this one is, is not just a simple first degree murder, but one that's a little worse. Yeah. For a number of reasons. But this person can't even be around other criminals. That's, yeah, it was you know committed because of uh, lying in wait or in the course of something else. Or there's 22 things in California that make some, a murder worse. And then they hear that, and then they, they should be hearing from the defense anything that mitigates the crime or that makes um, explains maybe the didn't go down the way they said it went down or anything about the person's life history that, it, that it, sort of puts his conduct in a— Okay. If, you know, I had a, I had a client Severely who was— Severely abused. Yeah, who was forced to sell heroin by his mother since the age of seven, overdosed on barbiturates at the age of 12, kicked out of his home, joined a gang, you might understand why that person has a lack of impulse control when you do a neuropsych test yeah. and see they don't have the ability to... Because they frazzled their brain. They've Trauma plus drugs. Trauma, plus... all that. And, and the jury needs to hear all that when deciding. And then they weigh everything. It's a really fuzzy process, but they're supposed to weigh everything and decide, um, do we kill this guy or do we let him live? And, That's... and die in prison, basically. I just think that it's so shitty that I feel like public or just defense attorneys in general get shit on for like, they could be representing criminals when there's someone out there who's a prosecutor going, and here's why they should definitely die. die. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'm used to the, I'm used to the comments. Uh, uh, the, I the mean, sleazy. but you know, they're really, it's, it's one of the most I, rewarding moments when I can step into the, like the ninth circuit or the federal court and they all have to listen to my client's story. You're like, no, you're gonna- everyone hates. And I think that's part of what I love about the job or I loved about the job. It's a different job at the Innocence Project. Whole yeah. Different, whole different way of thinking. But for that, it's like, for that, showing it's like a, shining a light on. And it's like, 
no, I'm going to, someone's finally going to stand up for this guy who everybody just has thrown away and just thinks is just the worst garbage of the worst. And is, garbage and saying like, no, there's a story here. There's some dignity in there. There's a human inside um, that person. And making the system pause for a little bit and listen to it. Yeah. And we lose a lot. But if we can give them, the, my client, a sense that like, okay, well, you Somebody listened cared. to that and fought and spoke to the power with that message. I mean, that. I mean, that's huge to just, and it's like, it's also for someone who like, you've got to assume, you know, obviously there are the rare, just complete psychopath. I'm not, I would never say anyone's irredeemable, but like, there are people that maybe you go, well, that's just the wiring was just never good from the start. I don't know. But like a lot of training on that, on that I've been to is psychopathy a real thing. It's a whole other, like. It's, I mean, that's a whole, that, I would love pseudo, to make a whole it's podcast. It's kind of a pseudoscience, this whole notion of psychopathy versus. Oh, it feels like, like a, a, you got a, bunch a write-off. Of, yeah, you got a bunch of true crime folks who write about psychopathy as like this checklist. Yeah, and, it's, and you're it's just, just a garbage. drunk housewife. Total garbage. He's like, trust me, I watched yeah. a turn of the eight line. Some of these people just don't <laughs> feel like, a yes, thing. Exactly. It's like, well, if they didn't feel a thing, they wouldn't enjoy murdering people. So how do you, okay, just. It's like how we talk about narcissism now. Everyone's a narcissist. It's like, yeah, some people, it's also sometimes. Yeah, they're human and had like a bad moment. Yeah. It doesn't mean there is. Yeah. Dude, the way people will throw around narcissism. Or just like the, the lingo now. Everyone's kind of knows using therapy. Using therapy using talk. Same thing. Psychopath. So I have a, that always gets me when I hear a psychopathy because I've you had think- clients who've been alleged to have been, and they, they're definitely damaged and not innocent, but. So are you of the mindset, are you of the belief that like there is no one that is like. I, I haven't come across that. You yet. haven't yet. Of someone who is just the a, way media paints the, the what's the Ted Bundy Ted Bundy who's the guy uh, Dahmer Hopkins uh, oh oh the, uh, the Hannibal it's yeah a guy like Hannibal, Hannibal Lecter who's just this stone cold killer because the worst guys I've represented have real significant shit, stuff going on in their brains yeah that you that like are like okay you are messed up and you're this yeah. is bad you don't need to be out in the world but this is not just because you're you a being... danger it's the same as that like yeah. some people just end up in psych wards because they're dangerous totally and like yeah yeah i guess you don't go now you grew up in a nice suburb where his parents uh, tucked him in yeah. every night and then he just started murdering exactly people. There, was, <laughs> there were no signs no signs exactly you don't see that so that's wow i mean how great that like you're able to just at least like shine a light on that story do you should i lost my train of thought just thinking about the idea of hannibal having like a I, perfect childhood <laughs> and then just being like well time to put on the mask that's a prequel yeah exactly. <laughs> that's a prequel it's just yeah a coming of age story it's a beautiful indie film my stepdad was mean to me once uh he yelled at me i never recovered <laughs> exactly. you're like and then this happened um have there been people that you like fully have there been like you gotten like fully like innocent people on death row. Yeah. Yeah. I've been able to, um, been really lucky to represent two, uh, two men who were on death row and have seen them get off, walk them off of death row are out in the world. Now, uh, one guy in Texas, he was seven days away from getting executed. And what, Um, what, I mean, I don't know. Clint Young, he is, he is out in the world now. And he was, uh, got his case in our office, got his case back in 2010 um, he was, do con- you want to hear the whole story? Now? I do. If you can tell me the story, I want to hear it's this. It's a wild story. story. Hell yeah. Yeah. Oh, I'm oh. sorry. Um, yeah. Wild story. He was, um, from a small town in East Texas. Okay. And with three other, with three other guys, they were all on drugs on meth at the time. 
Um, he was 18. Other people were older. They kidnapped somebody in a car. The guy in the car got killed, got shot by one of those guys. Whoa. They took the car all the way to East Eastland, Texas, which is like in the middle of the state by the panhandle. Oh, yeah. Kidnapped another truck, somebody. Uh, shot that guy. So two two dead bodies. And went to Midland, Midland, Texas, where the, really with the birthplace names? of George Bush. <laughs> yeah. Um, and stopped there. So and so my client was tried in Midland for both of the murders. And what happened was the three other men all went to the police first and pointed the finger and blamed him. at our my client. They all decided we're just gonna blame that guy. We're gonna blame that guy. And that's where and really what happens in these cases, not just their decision. Um Police oftentimes get tunnel vision and get cued in on a suspect and really locked in on our client. And they can't like let go. Can't. It's hard to let go, and they don't see other evidence. It's and like bias. It primes them. It's total bias. And but these accomplices all pointed the finger at Clint Young. Um, he gets sentenced to death in two thousand one. Um, Did they, those guys get anything? One guy got no charges. One guy got thirty years. The other guy got ten, fifteen years. Um, what? Yeah. So. They, and as a result of their testimony, right? And so the first problem, the reason we first stopped an execution was the prosecution gave those guys plea agreements that they didn't tell the jury about, right? So that was the first thing Whoa. that stopped the execution. But we didn't get the conviction overturned because the courts in the federal court and state court were like, well, so what? It didn't matter. It wouldn't have changed the jury's mind even if they hadn't known about these deals, right? So yeah. we lost that. Um, that's when he got within a week of being executed, which was just a... I really to get that close to that process is just disgusting. I mean, because I mean, you have to talk to your client about where do you want your body and what do you want to wear and what do you want your family to do with your stuff. What and is the method of death penalty? It's just lethal injection. Okay, so I didn't it's know just they still had anything else that I just didn't know. Yeah, about. they don't have anything. Okay. So it's just like it's just a awful and it's terrible when when they seek an execution like that. The system just it's like an avalanche. It just rolls downhill and the momentum. Nobody wants to stop it. Yeah. Um, but oh. fortunately, we were able to develop a ton of evidence um, through um, we found people who were in the jail cell with one of the accomplices who heard the accomplice admit to admit the shooting to it. <gasps> and acknowledge lying, um, got got hold of four of those people and got their statements and presented that. We got gunshot residue testing on that accomplice's gloves that showed <gasps> he had gunshot residue all over those gloves. I can't believe they hadn't done that. Well, <laughs> right? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so we get all of that. That stopped that execution from happening. Um, so his life was saved for a period of time. Yeah. Within that period of time, while we were going to litigate those claims and present that evidence in court, uh, we got a call at like 9 o'clock at night one night, like a random, when I was, I was gearing up for the hearing. Oh, guilty conscience call. Yeah, Angelina was in the room. With it, with it, it, Who the hell are you on the phone we with We got a call hour? from the prosecutor in Midland, Texas, who was like, um, are the, the main defender, the, I mean, the main prosecutor, the elected lady, was looking at some personnel files, and we realized um, there might be a problem. It turns out one of the prosecutors at my client's trial, so prosecuting my client, yeah. was moonlighting as a clerk for the judge, the <gasps> trial judge, and writing the trial judge's orders and doing and working for the court, making decisions against my client at night, writing these orders while he's a prosecutor, prosecuting Which my is client a during the day. I mean, big, big time, yeah. huge. And that like hurt my neck for something. Yeah, like it was, it's cr and so that got exposed. First, I think the only time that's happened in the country. Uh, and became uh, you gotta wonder how much it's gone on and just hasn't been exposed in these little towns right but oh, even yeah. that was shocking so the texas court of appeal criminal appeal which rarely does it 
overturn his conviction at that point with that evidence. Like they were just like, no, this is not. We he needs a new trial. So um, our guy got out on bond, so he's out. Um, he's out working, doing his How thing. How long had he been in prison? Two thousand to two thousand. It was over COVID. I remember writing his petition in my living room because of COVID. Over it was COVID. like a Zoom hearing, cross examining folks on fucking Zoom on a screen. Um, so it was yeah, twenty years. I guess he was on on the row. And then my other client, Barry Williams, who's going to be coming to speak at Loyola, spent 41 years on death row. 41 I was years. two years old when he got arrested. Uh, total wrongful conviction. Um, evidence falsified by the police, <gasps> by the DA. Where uh, is he also withheld. Texas? Or no, here in California. Here in California, okay. Yeah, so that was the second guy that was on the row and got off. Damn. Crazy. I mean, I wonder what it's like to bounce back from, I mean, that's a... Fucking. 40 years he's doing great i mean good he's, yeah and he's coming to speak like he's coming those... to talk on october 2nd do a lot of people Loyola. in that position sort of get involved in this yeah they it, it's meaningful for them to yeah. it's you know that's a real that's a that's a i'm sure it's and it's so weird for me when i started of, of like man just getting them out is i viewed that as the end but man the challenge for these guys starts when they get out like i picked yeah. i had i gotten a number of guys who have not had death sentences and picking them up from prison and they're just like taking him to the beach for the first time, or or like, uh, like this, like everything is new, and there's so many choices to go look at a fast food different. menu. They didn't, they don't have any options in prison, and so to have a choice of what I want to eat, and like, where, where I the fuck go, is the dollar menu? No. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> totally. It's it, yeah, it's it's mind blowing what they have to go through to get adjusted. You know, damn, yeah, that's yeah. like a level of rehabilitating. Totally, damn, it's like putting a an animal in captivity back out in the wild. That's not to call people animals. <laughs> but I mean, it's just I, I such a different. Yeah, yeah, yes. <laughs> uh, whoops. Wait. You just, it's a, a life in captivity. Okay. Well, there I mean, it was. damn, that's, that's crazy. I mean, that had to feel wild for you. Just being like, and like, were there, was there a point in those cases where you were like, like before thing before they got like fully, turned over that you were like fuck i think this person is innocent yeah I'll, uh, definitely i think there's there's you get clues that the prosecution got it wrong i mean to, i guess this goes back to your question as a public defender i'm not going to ask my client are you innocent or not yeah it is irrelevant to me you're like i when have I'm a appointed job to, to do, a case i well, what I, is the evidence what's the evidence exactly and yeah. and did you get a fair trial it's yeah. not up to me to make decisions about guilt or innocence yeah, it's well, up to me to like expose some stuff that went wrong yeah, uh, like, and, and you, stuff that the jury should have heard. Uh, yeah. The Innocence Project, however, that's fundamental <laughs> to know whether our client's innocent. Yeah. And it's a totally yeah. different thing. But it's like, a, before we come in and help you. Yes, exactly. Did you do it? Did you do it? And do I believe like, you? Well. Um, yeah, it's a, it's a mind shift. But no, I didn't. I wasn't thinking guilt or innocence. I was thinking there's something Where that went wrong here. Yeah. And, and it could mean you're innocent, but that's not my... That's not my, I'm not the jury. My I'm job not, is to show the flaws in the Totally. That trial. they hid stuff, they falsified stuff, the, the implications of which mean you're innocent, right? Damn. So. Well, what happens, so in a case that like, I mean, what happened to that prosecutor that was working for the judge? Like, did they, does that? He got disbarred. Good. Um, I, rare to have that happen. It was just, really? that is just so egregious. Do sometimes they just go, well, whoops. Well, in Barry Williams's case, um, he, there was a bar complaint based on what came out. Yeah. And yeah, I think a bar a trial, like a full like proceeding to yeah. disbar him. Um, and he ended up winning that trial, I guess, the, the prosecutor, fuck? because too much time had passed. 
Oh, um, statute of limitations. No, or? to it was the whole claim was he hid evidence, and but too much time had passed to prove that he really knowingly hid the evidence. But he's like, I might have misplaced the evidence, or like, he like, was like, just couldn't like without guilty with. Which is the biggest irony about yeah, oh, so much time oh, has passed. My client was in prison for forty years. Yeah, like that's. That's oh, we can't prove that you're guilty is. beyond reasonable doubt, but he wasn't even guilty. He wasn't even guilty. So he that didn't happen. And it's very hard to hold up prosecutors accountable. Um, and this Texas case was just so crazy. He got someone held. He got disbarred. He's there's a there's suits flying around, lawsuits flying around. What stuff, also so. sucks, because I imagine that, like, for that guy who didn't get disbarred, it's not it's not like he has to wear a scarlet letter. Like, you don't know that you're about to get a lawyer who should have been disbarred and that sucks for you. That's right. Uh, you're like, oh, or maybe I guess, that's it, a, I guess it doesn't if he's just willing to do shady shit and you're trying to get off the hook. That's right. But that's, yeah. I always think about that with doctors and stuff where it's like, well, I mean, you passed med school, but how do I know you didn't get a bunch of seats? I know. Like this. Well, if you go to the state bar website, you can actually see if someone has been disciplined, but it really? means you have to have been disciplined. But if you look up an attorney, you can see like, oh, that's good to know. Their history. Yeah. I just, just think a little tip. There's probably ever. some people who are like, I'm looking for someone who's been disciplined a few times. <laughs> some mob willing boss. To, willing to play the game. Yeah. yeah get exactly. a little crazy in there. Exactly. Damn. Okay. So like the transition over to. I mean, it seems like a pretty natural transition over to the um, project for the innocent. But like, how did you start specifically getting involved with that? Like, what yeah. Did that look like? Um, well, it's a lot of it was just teaching. I okay. love to teach, and so I started teaching at the law school. What did you What did you teach specifically? I teach habeas corpus litigation. So oh, it's ooh, students. Fun. I know. <laughs> hey, and, this is paperwork exactly. at a high level. And <laughs> no, it sounds that way. No, uh, but it's actually it's really very fascinating. Important. I mean, it's, it sounds really. I, fascinating. I think it's really. I love the top. I think it's really. No, exciting. I mean, I love law. Um, I, it's... it's all about investigating and talking to folks and stuff. So it teach. I taught that, and then um, I would supervise students. I was like an adjunct professor there, supervising students on a couple cases. Oh, that's cool. Um, for a while, so that's how I had a relationship with the project coming in. Okay, and yeah. then and then I've... just made the made the switch full time. I mean, I. I... Seems like you're the guy for the job. I yeah, I mean, I I um have a good relationship with them and a good relationship with some of the folks on the other side that we have to deal with a lot. And yeah. So, so like out. what like in terms of like what like the project actually helps do, I imagine it's a lot of like in my mind, like liaison, like connecting people to these resources, but like what actually is kind of like the day to day work of helping exonerate these people yeah it's a it's a real resource intensive we're always looking for resources and help and classic so, nonprofit, right exactly as no, a nonprofit it's before totally, comedy it's um, so true we are horny for resources the fundraising that has to happen but it's the golf tournaments never end you know, we get it can be as much as 700 letters a year um of inmates writing to us wow for help oh and so a big part of the job is screening it's called screening those letters um and seeing is this person alleging innocence is there something to it and so that's where the students come in and help like what's they kind of what examine do and what, it, what the case has what it's about and what can we look for and can we help this person and um, is that at all like so previously you were doing like death row but is this more than just death row is it we we don't do capital cases they're too big ah so these are people who and plus they have lawyers yeah we do cases california yeah lower than yeah so and, mostly murders because they have a long sentence um, they, you got time. You got time, and yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly, um, and it could take a long time to get to them after they write to us because we have so many to get to. Wow. But it, we then send them a questionnaire about information about their case, and we students will pitch it to us, and then we will sometimes go and investigate. 
So like they're little mini murder mysteries, you know. That That's and students have to pitch. So it's like uh we like do a development meetings where people are pitch, oh here's totally. a TV show idea I have, but then someone's like, all right, I got this guy. Family's dead. You're joking. That's exactly how it works. People, and then you go, <laughs> which one? Okay, we're gonna take a really quick break, and then we're gonna come back and talk more about this because this is interesting to me. Okay, before the break, we I made a bit of a joke, but it's not a joke about like people pitching. Like the sort of the cases that come in. Yeah. So what do you look for in terms of how you prioritize? Like, is it like who seems like they have the best evidence to like mm-hmm. help get them out, or is it a compelling case? Does it benefit the person who wrote the letter if a person who's really good at giving speeches happens to be like? Are there people who are just no. really good at pitching? Yeah. So that's it's not about the pitch. It's that's that's more of an educational thing for the students okay. to like get on their feet and talk. Yeah, because the as whole a lawyer, process. You're have to. The whole process we are supervising and walking yeah. through the from the very beginning. Okay. What they're looking at. Yeah. Um. So we kind of know the case by the time they pitch it. Anyway. Yeah. It's just sort of like okay. You yeah. Can do your little pitch. No. But what? But what they? I'm like, do your little pit, your little law thing. What it's. Great is students aren't as cynical and jaded as lawyers can be. And yeah. so they see possibilities where I might not see them, where I'm wow. like, oh boy, yeah, whatever. This You're guy. Like, oh, you still this. have hope. Yes, exactly. <laughs> or like, oh, well, maybe, maybe the police were just lying here. Or maybe it really was. This evidence was planted, which sounds crazy to me. But no, she could, the like, evidence it gets planted. Does we have seen that happen? And before. they're they're like students that remind me of that all the time. Of that like, there's like there could be more to this. What's actually Push a little harder on this, Joe. Like, don't be so down on the claim or whatever. My grandpa. Is. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And so they Whoa. they do that. But what we are looking for um, are is is there avenues for us to develop evidence? Is there forensic science? Yeah, can in your case be done? that we could challenge? Okay. Some cases, sadly, it's the witness only surviving witness um, won't talk to us and says, "Screw you, I I." I say I, I rest them. with what I said at trial. Yeah. In which case, there's nothing. What else can we can do? do? And it's unfortunate and sad. Yeah, because like um, you'd like to help everyone. But is there new evidence? That's what we're looking for. Is there new evidence? And is there plausibly some way that it would fit within a claim, like a constitutional claim? That's what we're looking for. Okay. And prioritizing is really tough. It's really because um, it's not black and white. You know what I mean? It's yeah. And that's we try to get to the folks who wrote to us years ago and work our way up. Try to just like chronologically. Yeah. Yeah. But stuff falls like we are looking. Well, I shouldn't. We're looking now at um, certain gang detectives and certain evidence of of corrupt policing and that leading to wrongful convictions and yeah. gang expert testimony. So sometimes it's the focus of the project. Yeah, it's like, oh, what is like the angle that we didn't look into? Yeah, like, exactly. And some projects, or maybe things arise because, or do things ever arise because of another case? Like all the time, where you go, wait, this could be pertinent to. You're so smart questioning. Like that's exactly what is happening. Um, yeah, I took the LSAT. No, it's totally like that's exactly. <laughs> then I was like, I'm gonna be a clown. Like, oh, this guy is showing up over and over and over again, or yeah. this problem is happening over and over and over again. So we need to maybe look deeper at these cases. Yeah, there's a pattern yeah. here. So and maybe we use them. It, it really leads to legislative reform. Like our clinic has been a part of for the past seven years. Like I think it's like 11 bills that have been passed to amend the law to allow us to do our work better. Really? California has been really active. Yeah. Can you tell me about some of those? Yeah, of course. There's one is um, an eyewitness identification bill that requires police departments to engage in certain practices to try to limit misidentifications. 
okay. huge. That went into effect in 2020. Oh, yeah, because someone would be like, it was that yeah. guy. One, uh, one was expanded what's false testimony against someone to include like false expert opinions based on forensic science. So a real recognition of how junk science causes wrongful convictions and giving us a way where the law didn't before, a way to challenge convictions based on just bogus science, like yeah, bite like, mark evidence or something. And that's been uh, debunked. Signatures. I can read handwriting. handwriting. Gun- yeah, what are some of those, actually? Gunshot residue is a big one. Serology can be... What is serology? Uh, science of fluids, bodily fluids. Ah, uh, geozology. Yes. Right. Uh, <laughs> this is your, your last... That was my um, previous career. There we go. <laughs> I was a geozologist, but it really... Uh... Yeah, hair fiber stuff, like anything where you're comparing uh, bullet casings with what fi- got fired from a gun. Anytime one dude is subjectively comparing an item at a scene to, you know, our suspect, that raises, I won't joke science is disparaging, but it raises issues of reliability because science is about having a hypothesis, confirming it, experimenting it, and trying to disprove it. Forensic science is the opposite. Forensics is, I want to get an answer, black and white. So they're trying to work backwards from a thing and create a science around it. Yeah, don't disprove it because the jury's going to make the answer. And and so it's completely opposite of what science should be. And so it leads to a lot of subjectivity. So a lot of forensics and a lot of the things we see, you know, on TV of... Leads to wrongful convictions. Yeah, 100%. But that's been a law change as well. But is there, there's some like gun residue... Yeah, I mentioned gunshot residue earlier. That's, you did mention gunshot residue. Here's where the junk science is. Get Barry. I'm just kidding. Yeah, I mean, get Barry. Is, this could get a little off tangent, but the reason gunshot residue can be junk science is because um, there's three different particles that make up gunshot residue. Ah. Um, and lead, barium, and something else I don't remember. Uh, but barium? Can, I hardly shot him. Okay, but sorry. you can find those in things like a brake pad. Um, so it could be something it else. It could be something else. Like there's nothing... There are things in res like bullet residue that aren't firmly only part of guns. That and whether if you fire a gun, it's not guaranteed that gunshot residue will get on you at all. Yeah. We did a test fire of a twenty two and no gunshot residue was on a glove. Okay. Who knows? And police departments and police cars have gunshot residue. They're all covered around in them. gunshot They're residue. They're covered in it because the cops yeah, go that's test fire. But I would think too, so you're like, well So things can get cross transferred. So the limits of what you can say about GSR and piece of evidence is that it was exposed to gunpowder. Or it was point, yeah. or it was exposed to something that was exposed to gunpowder. Yeah. Not that a gun was fired. suspect shotgun. Yeah. And that's that's where the sub that's where, leading. Where you have experts tell a jury Oh, there's gunshot residue. He shot the gun. That's where the, the yeah. junk part comes in. All you can do is go, we found residue that could be from a gun. Basically. And here are all the other things that it could be from. Yeah. You know, so. Is that when someone, okay, so with that being like a changing law, does someone who brings up something like gun residue, gunshot residue, are they legally obligated now to go, here are other things that could, or is it just like the freedom of the other lawyer to go just so you guys know? Yeah, it's, it's unfortunately, I mean, the, the law hasn't totally caught up to the science. And so at oh, the okay. trial level, um, it's pretty much the same. What the new laws have helped us do and that the Innocence Project has passed, it's easier for us to challenge those convictions. Okay, to like build a case against exactly. that evidence. Based on sort of emerging disputes or, okay. or um, uh, when the expert sometimes themselves admits like, oh, yeah, that was, uh, I wouldn't have done that today. 
um, gets repudiated, which happens sometimes. Yeah, like, so, oh, the expert, yeah. <laughs> uh, turns out, was just a guy named Daryl who yeah. was really into guns. <laughs> totally. I mean, yeah. there was a case, there was a dentist, right, who testified about bite marks in a famous case. Called, uh, it, it, <laughs> yeah, Bill Richards was the name of the guy who was exonerated. But the testimony came at trial was this dentist who was like, oh, that's a bite mark. And Thank only you. only one to two percent of the population, in my experience, have this weird teeth problem. And this client has a tooth problem. Therefore, it's this guy's bite mark. Completely, that, that guy was paid off. Completely made up. Yeah, I mean, that's insane. It was it was it was dogs that probably bit him. But it, it he just made up that one to two percent figure. And like, he how lost. How on earth would you know that? I know. How on <laughs> earth would you know it? Uh, but his case ultimately lost um, because the court was like, well, it's just an expert. It's not false. It's just opinion. And the jury could have figured it out. Um, the legislature stepped in and passed a law overruling that case, essentially. Yeah, yeah, if you present someone as an expert, that's like falsifying to the jury this person. Totally. You're going, like, you say someone's an expert, you're going to trust. It's, it's the same as I'll maintain, I'll say this for the rest of my life, a stranger in a white coat could finger you in an OBGYN's <laughs> office. And you'd be like, that wasn't the doctor? They had a white coat on. That's it's right. like, there's things that your brain just goes, okay, well, then I trust what I'm you I'm going to credit this guy. That's, yeah. Exactly. That's, that's so insane. Bite marks. Get fucked. Um, or whatever. Thank you for your service. <laughs> I don't, who knows? Um, for the Project for Innocence, so it's, it's a lot of students, but are there, like, are you guys ever looking to bring on, like, lawyers or, like, in terms of, like, resources and how you're trying to grow? Obviously, if I know anything about nonprofits, the main thing is donate <laughs> money. 100%. But are you, like... We are hiring a staff attorney now. Okay. So... Anybody who's are you an attorney? Are you a, when with something like that? If because it's a nonprofit, is a staff attorney then? Because I think of nonprofits from the perspective my lens is like I worked in PR. Okay, so it's like okay, so you go to a nonprofit and it's in the name, like you're not here for the money. So then, are you in theory looking for an attorney who cares more about the cause than about that's anybody in this line of work generally nonprofit yeah. or otherwise um, is that what makes it hard to find like yeah what causes the backup it's, it's a lot of lawyers are like i'm not here because i care yeah but there's a lot of lawyers who do so that there is Thank a lot God. of folks who are in it for the right, for reasons. The right reasons so it's finding that that combination of that's a given that we're going to find someone who's passionate we need that's if you don't have that passion it's not going to sustain you yeah with the salary we can offer yeah you have to love what you do and care yeah about people. it's just what it's hard to find is someone with the experience to go into court and and do the writing um the yeah. writing is is hard but it's most of what we do is excuse me in writing yeah so and it's so a uh, lot of uh yeah so you have to be a good storyteller and that's hard to find a storyteller um, with a law degree. With a law degree, but what we're well, doing, I'm yeah. out. <laughs> but it's all narratives. Is that's yeah. what we 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 teach? Is like, is what's the prosecution's narrative? How do we tell a new narrative? It's yeah. It's, How do we show this person's full story or what they left yeah. out? And we're gonna develop a new cast and a new setting and write that in a compelling way. Wow, I mean that sounds like such a fun yeah. job. It's it is very fun. That's why I love it. And, you know, it and is, rewarding. And when you, you get like, to learn about random stuff like you know gunshot residue particles. Yeah. I never think that would be. Yeah. Um, Which yeah, also, so if you had said you get to learn about gunshot residue particles prior to this conversation, yeah, I, I would have been like, woohoo. No, let me no but it was really yeah. fascinating. It is like, um, there's so much more to it. But brain science and stuff, right? You have Dude, to become experts in. Me too. Neuroscience? Don't neuroscience. get me started. I know. Me too. Same. Dude, I'll change these pathways all day. The neuroplasticity is a huge part of what we do in the death penalty world because oh, I bet, those. 
showing from that zero like, to four is when attachment theory is that's when all those pathways really get set in that's so and if true. you're neglected or abused during that period of time your whole life trajectory is different also do you know about this is such a side tangent but just because i love attachment theory and i like love learning about that and like mm-hmm. the things that like can help you rewire and how like everyone's yeah. like mantras are corny it's like no but it helps like do you know to be securely attached and if you don't know this, I don't mean to scare no. you as a parent. 30%. A parent had to get it right 30% of the time for secure attachment. And I think about that as someone who's very much not securely attached. Yeah. And I go like, <laughs> you you guys didn't even get it right 30%, 30% of the time? I had not heard that statistic. I just heard it in some... I do. I was, I was way too book aware I fun. when my daughter was zero to four of how important those years were. You're like, she's crying? I show security. up. I'm exactly attachment wish you <laughs> yes as angelina's falling asleup on the toilet you're like, all- her attachment style and what? exactly so yes that is all real you know that's but learning about that stuff is fun because that's that's what we do when well, you bring that cases. into the case to go like well based on science and research here's why this you know it doesn't make it right yeah. but here's why this person's actions like as you said before they're impulse control they're like uh, yeah. emotional regulation and how about lead poisoning i have another case where we brought in an urban planner expert because they he grew up here in the rampart area of los angeles where there were oil rigs and shit and benzene and lead used in the paint in these um Buildings houses and- that were for people who weren't wealthy and what's that do to you and that it's it, tell me the government's not trying to kill the poor people <laughs> I, it's crazy though there's real like a lot of people were exposed to lead and, like, and that does we all that causes there's research. Issues. Yeah, yeah it, exactly. It can really mess yeah. with you. And again, I think it's really important that we're not saying it's not a Twinkie defense of. Um, you, and therefore. Yeah. Therefore, that excuses you. Let them out. Get out of jail free card. Yeah. Get but out there and kill somebody else. It gives them. It makes them not Respect Hannibal. It. Yeah. Exactly. Do you go. Yeah. Do you know about Dr. Amen? No. Oh, man. Well, this is a whole tangent for another time, but you should look into him. He he's like a. He's a psychologist, but his whole thing, and he's been doing it for maybe like 20 years, he's got these clinics that, of course, don't take insurance and are insanely overpriced and mm-hmm. work with the wealthy, which is fine. Uh, but, like, they do, like, brain scans, and he's, like, yeah. on the forefront of that with psychologists because he, he, his whole thing is, like, yeah, I got into it, and I, I, he had previously been in medical imaging, and he's, like, sorry, we're just diagnosing people and we're not, like, looking at their brains. And a lot of the things that his, they've done, like, hundreds of thousands of image, you know, imaging and, like, that you can see in someone's brain that, like, you know, people who are like school shooters, they all like a lot of them have they all have like a tumor, shrunken, like a fucking there's yeah, there's or like, shrunken uh, amygdala, yeah, yeah, and like and an ADHD brain where it's like, yeah, th- it's actually like it, yeah, and he's like, we uh, call that organic brain damage. So, one thing we do do for, for all death, death row clients, we usually a standard is get a neuropsychological examination, wow, which combines those two things, which is looking at the psychology. Um, but also whether there's evidence of an organic like brain, a physical like brain, physical, and that's that's really impactful. So you know, a brain scan guy. Totally, we use brain scans a lot if we yeah. can. I'm just uh, kidding. I'm just trying to get free I brain know. scans. <laughs> I'll pretend to be yeah. a criminal for a free. But brain that's scan. a huge part of the work is is well, that kind of uh, that kind of evidence. Well, because I mean that's important to go like totally. yeah no this person shouldn't be out and yeah. about but like yeah they're not totally. And getting people to believe that it's a real... So many people don't really believe in that psychology is a real science. I mean, people don't believe in depression. I had a guy say that to me, and I was like, what has your life Jeez, been really? that you don't, you don't believe in depression? Wow. I believe in yeah, it. Yeah, I had a case where the guys had seven tours in Vietnam. 
um, and was in charge of like extracting the dead bodies and was just exposed to the worst stuff you can that imagine. That warps in war. your brain forever. And the prosecution's argument was that PTSD is not a real thing. Like you shouldn't listen to that diagnosis. That's crazy. And that's, I mean, this was back in the 80s when the trial happened. But like we all know that's not. Nah. But psychology gets this bad rap because it wasn't tethered to stuff you could see. Yeah, and, and they're so finally it's great that they're actually doing. Some yeah, of that, I love know? that they're like showing imaging because I, yeah. well, obviously it was already going on, but like for years I like I've yeah. always been like, yeah, of course, like people have mental health. I have mental health issues, yeah. but like you can tell me what pill I need without looking at the problem, and I and I came up from that. Angle of the like, frontier. Don't try to give me pills, but <laughs> you can edit this out. The frontier is consciousness. Is like what is consciousness? Yeah, I mean that like qualia. Like what is? Where does that? Nobody knows the answer to that with brain scanning or anything else. Like where that comes from? Yeah, it's like our just like, our awareness. How do you? See how do that you know? In? Like what is that? Is it just our brain sort of fabricating it, or is it? Is there something more? Yeah, like fascinating. Universal connection. Fascinating. Oh, yeah, no, I could, I could um, go on forever. If you have, yeah, I will. Listen to this if you have someone on who knows. I would. Knows I mean, I would love to get it. on yeah. like a conscious. That's <laughs> actually. I'm glad you said that because that is a good like note for me to make to look into someone like that while I have my free LinkedIn premium <laughs> stock people on LinkedIn. <laughs> they offered me a free that's month, awesome. and I was like, I'm gonna start. Get, I'm, I'm gonna get this. emails. That's so funny. No one will know. <laughs> um, okay, these are just some like Sorry. silly sort of. You're a lawyer. Uh, probably generic. I think questions people have or like thoughts stereotypes i remember at some point i wanted to be a lawyer in my youth. you'd make a good one you like you have you intuitively you are well, I think you have stuff. to be able to like look at all the evidence and not just but like it's sometimes felt inhibiting in my life that like i won't really take a strong stance on a lot of things because i could argue my own opinion out of, like i could be like well i guess if i look at it like this i could see I'm, I'm exactly that way yeah well okay so first of all uh, as a lawyer who is a husband, and I uh-huh. imagine you know all relationships. Sometimes you get into, we all have our little uh, tussles. Our ar- yep. we'll get into arguments. Is that are you like a master arguer with? That's the it's it's. Or does your wife ever go like, cross, don't you lawyer me? That's exactly cross examination makes for a bad relationship. Clock out. Like <laughs> I am tempted sometimes to want to engage in setting up a cross examination of well. So tell me about this, and then it's this. Oh, but therefore, <laughs> it didn't work out. That is not going to be helpful um, to solving things. So I've had to let that go. <laughs> You're like, that's for work. <laughs> exactly. And you know where? why I love the type of law I do is the way we win cases is by talking to just normal people and yeah. taking off the lawyer hat and yeah. getting people to open up about the worst shit in their lives. You actually think that has somehow like helped you as a partner? That, to be like, that, that part of it has. Let me see your story. Just listening yeah. and empathizing and not trying to be a lawyer and object. Because my, my impulse is to, okay, cut to the chase, get find me the, the answer, facts, get the- find the facts, and substitute my thinking for theirs. And I've had to very consciously in my job step back from that so that I could get folks to open up. And, and go like, let me just listen. Let to me just this like really let this listen. breathe and try to be a better person. It's going to win my case if I can do that. And that's, I think, helpful in relationships. Yeah. Did you ever get people, oh, I, the only reason I said the thing about, I mean, literally as a youth, I was like, I'll be a lawyer. But my whole family, which, by the way, not a bunch of people who are more accomplished than lawyers. Like, they're all working and fine. You'd be, but, I don't know. A <laughs> weird bunch to all turn their nose up at the idea of law. You know, yeah. like, it's like, okay, well, sorry that I don't want to just be a secretary. I don't know what to tell you. But like, uh, 
it would like would they would sort of give me this like jonesing ribbing like ah oh, lawyer what are you, you liar my, you're a scumbag my family did the same thing to me my no lawyers in my family there's one who is a terrible human being in our family who's a lawyer and doesn't help and <laughs> does like- it you know he's a terrible he's an awful like we can't stand the guy and so my dad was like what are you doing you want to be the guy who kicks out old people from apartments and stuff like and you're like no that's not what i want to do but so no i get that all the time from family and does being law school friends oh yeah you know have fun and it's some of it when i went into the work of representing serial killers (laughs) yeah so are people like now oh yeah i mean when when you initially tell people what you do are they like oh here in California, it's been, it's been okay. I mean, I did get some of that. I would, especially when I moved to LA and I was going with Angelina to some of these entertainment parties. Yeah. And people are like, what do you, oh, and everyone goes, what do, what you, do you do? That's the question. I had a whole conversation with someone at a, like a, it was like a bar club in West Hollywood when I first moved down. And I thought it was a whole conversation about what I do. And the whole time I didn't get to the end. They mentioned Suge Knight. Is that how you pronounce his name? Oh, Suge Knight. Suge, Suge Knight, thank you. <laughs> and I realized that was adorable. He, he thought the whole time I was talking about Death Row Records. He thought I was an entertainment lawyer talking about the record company. I'm like, what I the work, fuck? I work with people um, on Death Row. Oh, yeah. I got a mixed And wasn't listening to like the substance <laughs> of what I said at all. I have a, I, there's something you can do for me. But no, but I do, I've got some questions. That's the most LA thing I've ever heard. It's and amazing. that's so funny. Um, but I do get a lot of like, well, how do you, what do you do when you know they're guilty? How do you help them? And like do you represent people who do like child molesters i'm like i have yeah and how do you help them that's the big thing i get a lot is that Um, how do you get law students asking me that all the time i mean how do you separate your emotions like is there work you do or is it just like a resilience you build if you have to work with someone who you're like they've done something that you think is pretty bad yeah i i try to have I really try to put myself in the shoes of what it's like for the victim's families and yeah. what it's right for and feel that a little yeah. bit and say like, okay, this is really awful. Just that's going to make me a better advocate. But really it's what I view my job as finding, okay, I know you might've done this horrible thing. Let's assume you did. Yeah. Maybe you didn't, but assume you did. Let me find what's I, it comes from a real deep belief I have that everybody has some intrinsic value and yeah. dignity in them. That like, and everybody, it's even not just that you're a terrible, even person. Hannibal, even the worst of the worst. Yeah. It's like, there's something, there's in there. something in there that makes you valuable as a human being. I'm going to yeah. find that. And, or, pull that and that out. It at least explains that you didn't, didn't just do this. Yeah, Or maybe not explains evil. it. Even if it does, there's something in there. Um, yeah. and, and I'm going to fight for that. And it's, I'm not responsible. Part of it. I can sort of, um, say I'm, I'm not the one who's going to open the jail doors and let you out. I'm trying to expose, it's very hard. The, it's, the, the law is very um, slanted against overturning convictions. Oh, yeah, because they're like... Finality. It's like, we need we to We're not going to admit we did something wrong. So this it's America. Yeah, so my job is really have just... Have you guys to, seen Oppenheimer? <laughs> okay, sorry. Yeah, someone's... <laughs> really, I'm, so I don't have that. I, I really don't have that. Uh, well, uh, now I don't have it at all because it's the Innocence Project. Yeah. But as a public defender, it's... Let me find this, and this is my role. Yeah, and let me just stick and that to brings. My role. I think that that brings a lot of joy to me, and where it, it the heaviness of, of being it able all. to find some nugget of. Yeah. Well, here's one thing that. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. That's. I mean, that's. But I'm sure rad. it's causing me some some shit that's gonna yeah, come like up. Yeah, I'm I'm like. That's why you have so many lawyers who do drugs pain. and yeah. drink a lot because you can. It's easy to you it the. 
Coping. Uh, incentive is to compartmentalize and to shut it off. And I need something to shut it off. Yeah, I get that. I mean, that's why people who have that's why you do drugs and stuff. other trauma do that. Yeah, that it's like. So it's important to talk about it and be open about it and have work with people who are open to talking about it. Yeah, because then you at least have that outlet of yeah. connecting and, and someone who understands the work. Not feeling ashamed at, yeah. at, at feeling bad about the crime or getting sure. pissed off at your client or whatever it is. Yeah, like, when I imagine being in an environment with other people who are doing it, you sort yeah. of have this community of people who can also, rem- like, if you get in a moment where you're mm-hmm. like, uh, that I don't feel great about that we did the X, Y, or I did this or whatever. If you have those, you're surrounded by a community of people who can remind you of like, but here's the purpose and here's like the... Exactly. And I'm not alone and I'm not failing at what I'm doing by no. having these emotions. You're and you know, human. where it intersects a little bit with, I don't know, tell me I'm being ignorant, but with stand-up comedy and what I've observed and with, is we actually brought in improv coaches to train us <laughs> in our work um, that's so funny to help us understand who our authentic selves are and what our voice is. That's so funny. And like, and he, this guy came in with like long, like a whole improv teacher to like talk about like, I'm not going to be the alpha male type, but, and it takes a lot to get to a point where I can be a, go into trial and I had a, a jury trial and I'm not going to sort of stamp around like Going, the alpha male. Yeah. I got to be myself. And that's what makes me healthy and yeah, and able to do what compelling you're and authentic, and not oh, damaged that. just well, by finding like who's my what's what's my voice and who am I not trying to be someone else? Yeah, so much of being a lawyer is the incentive is to try to be someone else. When try I, to be this like yeah edgy. Have you ever hard. been on a law school campus? I mean, the guys, you know, I remember starting. Yeah, law I tried school. to find a husband once. I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah, they're just <laughs> act like they know campus. everything, and it's all a mask. And, and it's just, yeah, everyone's trying to be the smartest and the like. And the lawyer who's the, you know, the, the big dog. But you can be a meek, quiet, sensitive person and be a powerhouse trial lawyer and advocate. Great lawyer, yeah. It's just finding that. And being true to, that's so interesting yeah. with an improv. And improv helped us, yeah. Be, it helps find you get that present, story. too. Yeah, be present and tell her, find the story and find ourselves in the story. I love that. And I mean, that is relatable with comedy because like the comedians who end up shining or in my opinion like stick out it is like there's a level of authenticity that like you can like you see through when someone's fake vulnerability it. yeah you, yeah there's people who will like i've seen people who are naturally dirty try to be clean i've seen people who don't really curse but they like they're new to comedy they think oh that's what's funny and like you can tell that it's not authentic. It's uncomfortable yeah and yet it's like the vulnerability the authenticity and also it is like instead of viewing something as like damage it's like no you're built differently and this is be- the way you're built yeah. has made you great for this and you're proud of it thing mm-hmm. it's why you can do what you can do and mm-hmm. there it's not it's also the idea of being damaged so often is we're comparing ourselves to a made-up person Sample that never size. existed exactly. they were like well no one's like this it's like actually everyone is uh yeah <laughs> or like it's not weird that you do that <laughs> the amount of things that i've been like this is crazy or weird and realize as i got older it's like no that's no that's very normal. I have to remind myself of that in traffic. I'm like, let me not hate this person. They're going through some shit in their lives, you know? Oh, man, yeah. I can tell when I haven't been meditating when I'm in traffic. Yeah. I'm like, <laughs> dude, boy, do I feel good on days where someone can cut me off and I go like, I hope they get where they need to yeah. be. Versus like, you <laughs> son of a bitch. I'm um, not there yet, but I'm getting there. I, I, I'm When I say days, I mean one time I had yeah. a day where it happened and I was like, I guess I'm enlightened now. That's it. There we go. That's amazing. If you can get to that moment. And yeah. then it never came back. Um. All right. Before we wrap up, we mentioned like at the top, like I sort of joked about, oh, Kim Kardashian. But like 
some people might know, like we've seen Kim Kardashian in the press over the last couple of years, sort of being this like voice for Champion the innocent. For, yeah. How has that helped you guys? It's it's we will take it. Um, not just her specifically, but podcasts like Serial and what are some of the other shows? Making of a Murder. Oh yeah, yeah. A number of them. Um, that have been huge for the innocence movement and for just exposing wrongful convictions generally because the big impediment for our work is this belief that, and I call it, it's like a myth of infallibility is what I teach my students. Wow. That if everybody in the system plays their part, the jury gets it right. That's the, that's the uh, assumption of our adversarial systems. The prosecution plays by the rules, the defense plays by the rules, the Then jury, they'll get it exactly right. The truth emerges from this process. Yeah. And what these, what, what pop culture t- discussing this and what Kim Kardashian taking the lead on and exposing this to a new group of people has done, um, and what, frankly, the, um, the protest movements that came out of the killings of all these unarmed black pe- men yeah. um, have helped expose is, look, there is over-policing. Um, police lie. Yeah. Uh, it turns out not everyone is. Do it, getting it right. Not everyone is giving it. And not only that, sometimes jurors just get it wrong. And yeah. sometimes innocent people get convicted. Um, and that's that was a really hard thing for judges to accept and for jurors to accept. Because I think most people want to feel like they did. I did my civic duty and then yeah. going, I really tried to help and I put a, a man. That's right. And I mean, so, I, I can't imagine being a juror that was on a case of. And we talked to them. We tried to talk to the jurors after when after the fact and be like, look at this evidence we found. What do you think about this? You know, is the is the project for innocence. Do they have a podcast? No, they should. We should. Yeah, that would be great. <laughs> um, yeah, maybe you can. I'm going to come host. Yeah. <laughs> but no, that has helped get the public um, willing to accept that this, these wrongful convictions really do happen. Sometimes it's just through no fault of anybody's new yeah. shit emerges. Well, I think acceptance is so much of like a giant first step because I mean, it's the same as like, it's not the same, but you know, growing up and one day realizing like, oh, my parents were just people, or like, oh, my teacher didn't know everything, or like, yeah, just so true. Uh, and now, how do we move from here? And there's it's can be like an ego mind fuck for a second of you having to go like, yeah. no, because people want to know, no, I live in the, I was told that I, yep. I, I can trust my government and I, the yep. the judicial system has my back, and then going, oh, it might they might fuck up. And I'm not some counter revolutionary dude, but I've come to see like no the system is really fucking break broken and racist and, and yeah. can't get avoid it. But what it's done is it's allowed for the election of progressive DAs because the is public great. is primed for it. You know, yeah. Uh, now they're if, Mr. Gascon has done a lot of good. And um, if people are seeing it now, they're like, who do I get in there? Yes, exactly. We can elect folks, and the legislature, as I mentioned, is more has I don't know if called political will and ability to help change the law for the better. It hasn't helped at the federal level yet. Um, but, well, you know. But but at the local level, it's been huge to have. Make the small rumbles and hopefully Yeah, so I'm all. all for Kim Kardashian doing her thing. At the, I think the NBA does an innocence yeah, thing. Get as much spotlight as you can. To on, like- on on these convictions and people like my client, Barry, and, and hearing from them. Because they're, they're extraordinary people to go through that process. So Yeah, that's incredible. Well, thank you for sitting down with me. If people want to learn more about the Innocence Project... Uh, how to donate, how to get involved. How can they find us? Yeah, we have a X account, Twitter account. We wow. have an Instagram now. We're getting ourselves more in the public. Look at these um, lawyers getting out there on I the I know, internet. it's a little bit cringe, as my daughter would tell me, <laughs> but we're trying. Um, but we have a website, and you can just go to, it's Loyola Law School Project for the Innocent. We are always looking for, sometimes we have volunteer events where people from the community can help read letters and help us. Ooh, 
at least take that initial step. Oh, I like of, that. Of Ooh, sending them a questionnaire. Okay. Um, we have, but donations are really big because it allows us to afford forensic experts, for example, to yeah. review a conviction. It allows us to afford a new lawyer or an investigator to go out on the streets and actually talk to these people. Well, so there's a number of different ways that. Do um, you guys do fundraising events too? Yeah, fun. Well, fundraising is is baked into to what we're doing. It's it's wrongful right, Conviction Day on October second. We're having the panel of my client Barry Williams, another gentleman Gary Tyler, who has spent forty years on death row in Louisiana, is going to talk. Um, that's going to be at Loyola Law School at noon. That's going to. There's always a fundraising component. Okay. Um, two things. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, you guys. Thanks for watching. Uh, I hope you enjoyed it, and uh, you know, go go donate, go volunteer, and we'll see you next time. Get ahead of the postage rate increases this year with Stamps.com. It's like your own personal post office. Sign up with promo code PROGRAM for a four-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com code PROGRAM. That concludes this week's episode of Ignorance is Blessed. I hope you enjoyed the guest. Do you have follow-up thoughts, follow-up questions? Get in the Facebook group and start a conversation. Ignorance is hashtag blessed idiots on Facebook. You can search for it or find it on my Facebook page. Facebook.com slash JMS comedy. There you can have a chat about this guest. You can ask about future guests. You, you can suggest future guests. I love it all. Please keep giving suggestions and keep asking questions because the more we ask, the more we learn, the more we know. And the more we know, the more we can look down on others who aren't as smart as we are. And isn't that the point? Thank you for listening. And thank you for being patient with my ignorance. See you soon, idiots.